The last thing each day is to set an alarm for the first thing with Mike Parsons and Renee Vitale on 760 WJR. All right. Well, uh, it's good to be back for those of us who observed President's Day yesterday. It's a short work week for the uh, people who are working like Jason and Renee. It's just Tuesday, but I'm glad to be back with both of you. We missed you. Did you go to a mattress sale of any sort to celebrate President's Day? (laughs) Because that's the only thing I know that happens and we don't get mail. My annual President's Day mattress burn. Yes, I just go take advantage of one of the sales. And then, uh, I, you know, I've got 25 mattresses in my house. It's a very expensive hobby. And I, need I usually go on President's Day, test them out and said, uh, you know what? I'll be back on Labor Day. This was just a test run. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> You're right. Guy. Everyone. Everyone knows that President's Day mattress sales are just the appetizer for the Labor Day mattress sales. Right. And a guarantee, taxes, death, and mattress sales. <laughs> you know, I, I got to tell you, Renee and Jason, um, I would spend more time browsing furniture stores if I didn't have a salesperson tailing me the entire time. Oh, I know. They're like vultures. And I understand that they work off commission and sure. it's a doggy dog world, but you know, sometimes I just like to window shop and I try to be very upfront. Um, but but, you know, you, you're looking around, you're sitting in a recliner and then around every corner. There they are. They're like dusting. They're dusting off like a nightstand or, or trying to look like they're busy <laughs> while they're just stalking you like Michael Myers. See, the key is to go into one of these places with really horrible cologne on. Right. So you got to buy that oh. one bottle of really horrible cologne. Oh, and uh, Black Panther. Yeah, there you go. Sixty-six <laughs> percent of works every time. That's right. Yeah. Life hacks with Jason. That's good. That's a good tip. I'm just gonna go in there reeking of something. It's really a whole podcast. Yeah, <laughs> you'll have the whole place to yourself in no time. Yeah. All right. You know, we're scrapping this entire show, and we're yeah. just doing a uh, Jason life hack special. All right. This is a really bizarre story. One person is in stable condition after a shooting outside Ruth Chris Steakhouse in Troy, the one on Big Beaver in 75, which, uh, you know, is a very safe area. Yeah. I spent a lot of time out there myself. I've, I've never felt unsafe. So so that in itself is a bit disconcerting. Now, police have not said if they've made an arrest or not, but they say the shooting was not random and that there's no elevated risk to the public. Uh, there was some damage to the building. A window was shattered. And th- this struck me as odd. People inside, they were given the option by the restaurant to evacuate or finish eating. And many of them uh, chose to uh, finish eating. <laughs> so I guess they weren't that worried about it. And it, to me, it's a little weird that police are are not saying whether they arrested someone or not. I don't know if it's has something to do with the ongoing investigation, but I, I guess I'll take their word for it that whether they made an arrest or not, there's, there's no danger to the public, but normally, you know, you feel a little bit better when they say a suspect was taken into custody. Can we get back to this food thing? Like, did they offer him a free dessert? Did they? I, I don't, well, I don't know. It's technically not the restaurant's fault. No. And maybe the key I mean, is to thing. wear really horrible. Colo- no, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's Jason's go-to. Um, yeah, I, that's, I, I, that's I mean, bizarre. Well, here's the thing. I mean, it, it's a very expensive. It's a very expensive uh, steakhouse, right? And probably, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what I would do in that that situation. I might not know what to do either, and just carry on like everything was normal. Especially if I was looking around the restaurant and everyone else was 
uh, was eating and not panicking. I'd probably take my cues from everybody else. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Or I, I, I just think it would ruin the vibe. Yeah, I, I mean, I, you would also think some people would feel unsafe and want to leave. But, right. um, you know, I, I, I wouldn't leave until police got there because who knows who's outside. But hopefully the the gunshot victim, they make a, a full recovery. It sounds like they will. They're in stable condition. Uh, a little good news on a missing mother and child that were found the other day. Yeah, a missing one-month-old baby girl who has been missing for the past two weeks and believed to have been in her mother's custody has been found safe. Auburn Hills Police originally issued a missing endangered advisory for one-month-old Eliza Prowell-Smith on February 5th. The baby was last seen on February 3rd at an apartment complex in Auburn Hills. And then on Saturday, Auburn Hills Police say that they received a tip that Eliza and her mother, Amanda Rose Prowell-Smith, were at a laundry mat and Warren. So when Warren police responded to the laundromat, they located Amanda and Eliza. They took Amanda into custody and placed Eliza in the care of Child Protective Services. The baby was taken to the hospital for evaluation and she had no injuries, thankfully. Yeah. And, you know, another another bizarre story, because I, I guess this baby was born inside that Auburn Hills apartment and had never been to the doctor, which sounds dangerous to both baby and the mom. Oh, so, wow. I didn't hear that part of it. That's yes. frightening. So, it, yeah, it, it's good to hear that the baby and mom were found healthy. It sounds like the mom had some mental health issues. So hopefully she gets the help she needs and and the baby uh, is placed into a good home. I think the baby was turned over to Child Protective Services. Yep. So, um. A, a much better ending than I think uh, what a lot of people anticipate, especially you said they, they were missing for two weeks. Uh, yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and, and, you know, I don't know if we'll ever find out what they were doing for those two weeks, but at least we're glad both were found. Okay. President Biden told reporters that he's considering more sanctions against Russia after the death of Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny Friday, a death that Washington and a number of other Western countries believe Vladimir Putin was directly involved in. Uh, Navalny died in an Arctic prison in Siberia, north of the Arctic Circle, after returning from a walk. Eyewitnesses say that Navalny was kept in a cell with no heat and was given mystery injections. Russia has not released the body. Right, exactly. And they haven't released the body. Huh. Navalny's family is accusing the Russian government of not releasing his body to cover up the fact that he was slowly poisoned. And, and of course, Putin's doing this thing where he's denying it. But I, I mean, Putin wants people to see what happens to, to to his political rivals. Right. Like they he he wanted people to see. It's what no happened. secret. <laughs> right. Just like um, when the uh, the guy from the Wagner group, uh, Evgeny Prigozhin, uh, he tried to leave that coup against Putin over the summer. Then his airplane was shot out of the sky. Mm-hmm. Very weird. It's just crazy. Yeah. yeah. Like Putin, he does that thing where he says, oh, it wasn't me, but but it was him and he wanted you to see it. Mm-hmm. Uh Meanwhile, closer to home here, the Envir- Environmental Protection Agency and President Biden are considering relaxing one of their cornerstone EV sales mandates. Last April, the EPA proposed a rule that called for EVs to make up 67% of new vehicle sales by the year 2032. That could possibly be pushed back. The change is uh, being attributed to two things. Number one, less than expected demand and an election year concession Biden made to Sean Fain and the UAW to get their endorsement. They're worried that EVs are going to cost jobs. So so very interesting that um, the very blue UAW is getting 
President Biden to consider something Republicans have been wanting him to consider for a long time. It's kind of purple. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just uh, very, you know, just put Sean Fain in charge of things, whether whether you agree with it or not, it gets things done. Well, I mean, the reality is, is we're not where we need to be for this push. Right. And, and we, I mean, we skipped a major step. It should have gone internal combustion, hybrids, electric. Exactly. I, I, mean, I mean, there's not enough charging stations and, and I know enough. they're addressing it, but that's a big deal. For your I mean, transportation, our, it's like not having a gas station. I mean, and our, and our grid here in Michigan is not reliable yet. So There's I, that. I, I would love an EV if I could afford it. I think we're going to end up being there, but I think we, we skipped a step, and that yeah. might actually delay things a little right. bit. All right, the Gaza Health Ministry has released um, some shocking numbers, according to them. Yeah, more than they're saying more than 29,000 Palestinians have been killed in the Gaza Strip since the start of the Israel-Hamas war, marking another grim milestone in the deadliest round of violence. You know, his Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, he's vowed to continue the offensive until total victory against Hamas, raising fears that troops are going to soon move into the southernmost town of Rafah on the Egyptian border, where over half of of Gaza's 2.3 million people have sought refuge from fighting elsewhere. The United States, obviously, were Israel's top ally. They say they're still working with mediators Egypt and Qatar to try to broker another ceasefire and hostage release agreement. Uh, but those efforts seem like they've kind of stalled in the recent days. And Netanyahu, he angered Qatar, which has hosted Hamas leaders, by calling on its pressure uh, by calling on it to pressure the militant group. The health ministry said 107 bodies were brought to hospitals in the past 24 hours. That brings the total number of fatalities to 29,092 since the start of the war. And oral arguments began at, yesterday at the UN's World Court in a historic hearing regarding Israeli settlers in the Palestinian-controlled West Bank. This case was actually bought back in 2022 when the UN General Assembly asked for an advisory opinion on the 700,000 settlers who are accused of leaving living illegally in the West Bank. The hearing is expected to last six days and 52 countries are expected to participate in the arguments. That's first thing. Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale, WJR. And Guy Lloyd and Jamie join us in studio ahead of JR Morning. Good morning, everybody. Morning. Good morning. Hey there. <laughs> and if you took a shot every time I said morning just now, you'd probably be pretty buzzed. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, uh, so, you know, uh, a little mystery, a little intrigue yesterday as the date 060624 was being projected on the old train station yeah. in Corktown and uh Renee, we just got word what that uh, what that date means. That date means that is the date that it's going to reopen. Michigan Central Station is going to reopen June 6, 2024. That is the official grand opening date. I thought they might be invading Europe. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, Anything's yeah. possible, really, lately. Yeah, I, well, well hey. but, I mean, that still could happen. Um, True. You know, just two days after my birthday. off the table. <laughs> two days right. after my yeah. birthday, I'll just go hang out at the Central oh, Station. Oh, nice. You know? You know birthday. what? I I would love it if there there were parts of the of the central station that were open to the public. I know they're thinking of putting a hotel in there, but um, in the meantime, uh, I I know Ford is using it for office space. Is it going to be open for the public, or is it just going to be for Ford workers? Because I think a lot of people love to see it. They've got to open got, it to the public, absolutely. right? Yeah, they have absolutely. To. And this has been such a long-awaited rebirth that you know. 
I was in a, have you ever been inside it? Yes. No. Yes. No, no I, I have um, not so either. There was a there was a call, this has got to go back twenty five years now, that people were stripping it. Mm-hmm. They were taking the copper, copper. off yeah. of the oh, inside. Yeah. And so, you know, the, the, the Detroit police arrived. We got there ahead of the police. We heard the call. Okay. And me and my photographer watched as they came in and, tr- and chased this guy. This guy's trying to run away with a shopping cart full of copper, probably <laughs> weighing about 80 pounds. Right. Through through the fields with a shopping cart. Yeah, that's not, yeah. it was, not, it was, too, not going to move fast It was enough. a sorry, comedy. Sorry. It was a YouTube viral video. It's really hard to put was. shopping carts that aren't on right, like, cement. Right. Uh, yeah. So. But this guy it was the wonky s- wheel. It was the wonky <laughs> wheel that did him in. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, and then they shot a couple of great movies there: Transformers, Eight Mile. Yeah. You know. But you know, it was such the representation of yes. you know ruined porn and Detroit's mm-hmm. you know decline, mm-hmm. and now it represents Detroit's comeback. Yeah. Exactly. And, Lloyd, that was my exact thought. I mean, I remember. There was that picture on the front page of all the newspapers of that uh, homeless man who was fu- whose body was found in- encapsulated inside um, a block of ice in an old elevator shaft. Yeah. And yep. just, you know, how shocking that was. And to go from from that where um, for the longest time, my whole life, they said, well, it's too expensive to renovate and it's too expensive to, to tear down, to tear down. So it's just. Yeah. So they're just going to let it sit there and rot. And now um, we're less than four months away from a reopening. It, and, it is really incredible. And speaking of the renovations, it's pretty cool what they did to uh, restore it in some ways. They use 3D printers to recreate pieces sure. around the windows. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they showed a picture of the original next to one that was created with the 3D printer. And it's it's amazing. It looks exactly the same. That's really yeah. cool. That gives hope for the Fisher Building, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. I got yeah. garage beef. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, we're about, we're, to get this to... new, we're about to get this new project down the street, too, so that's going to be huge. The Henry Ford thing. Henry we're going to be talking at length about that. Big yeah. vote coming up in city council today. Yep. Yeah. So, hey, I mean, the thing is, um, you know, it, it, it wasn't just a good few years. Things are really turning around. And the thing is, it's it's sustained. And then... Um, it's going in phases. So so once one round of 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 kind of improvements and and updates to these historic buildings and and these regions are done, um, you know, a, a new one is announced. So um, and it's going to bring yeah, it's going to bring life back into Corktown as well. You yeah. know, after Tiger Stadium was gone and all of that, it's going to bring life back into that that area, man, which is great. Well, it's already yeah. pretty lively. I was dinner there last week and it's crazy busy in Corktown. Wow. It's cool. neat. So, and uh, I mean, with with the COVID delays, they got it done pretty quick and almost on schedule. JR Morning coming up next. One person is re- reportedly in stable condition after a shooting outside Ruth Chris Steakhouse in Troy. Police have not said if they've made an arrest or not, but they say the shooting was not random and that there is no elevated risk to the building. There was some slight damage to the building when a window was shattered, I'm guessing, from a, a stray bullet fragment. Renee, we got some good news about a missing mother and child uh, who uh, have been missing for a a number of weeks. Yeah, missing one-month-old baby girl who had been missing for the past two weeks and believed to have been in her mother's custody has been found safe. Auburn Hills Police originally issued a missing endangered advisory for one-month-old Eliza Prowell-Smith on February 5th. And then on Saturday, Auburn Hills Police say that they received a tip that Eliza and her mother, Amanda Rose Prowell-Smith, were at a laundromat in Warren, to which police responded and looked 
located Amanda and Eliza. They took Amanda into custody and placed Eliza in the care of Child Protective Services. Baby was taken to the hospital for evaluation. Fortunately, had no injuries. The Environmental Protection Agency and President Biden are considering relaxing the mandate that says that uh, all EVs have to make up 67% of new vehicle sales by the year 2032, due in part to slower than expected demand and due in part to some negotiations with the UAW for the uh, for Joe Biden's endorsement in the presidential race. A group of pro-Donald Trump truck drivers are banding together to boycott deliveries to New York City in protest of the $350 million fine former president received for inflating his net worth to investors and banks in hopes of getting bigger loans and more favorable terms. He's also banned from serving on the board of directors for any company in New York City for three years. And uh, George Santos and Jimmy Kimmel now have a little bit of a beef going on. Yeah, George Santos sued Jimmy Kimmel on Saturday over allegations that the TV personality tricked him into making personalized videos on Cameo for the sole purpose of capitalizing on and ridiculing his personality. So Kimmel used fake names and scenarios to trick Santos into saying ridiculous things and then aired the videos on a show in a segment called Will Santos Say It? He's seeking (laughs) statutory damages that add up to seven hundred and $50,000. And then Santo also listed ABC and Walt Disney Company as defendants in the lawsuit as well. Okay. Number one, this is free promotion on national TV for your cameo. Number two, George Santos is probably only trying to sue for this much money because he's probably broke and he doesn't have a job. I mean, doesn't that seem kind of like a low ball amount? You know what? It does. Maybe that's what, you know, his 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 lawyer said that he could get realistically. I mean, especially because he's going after ABC, Walt Disney and Jimmy Kimmel. You might as I mean, if you're George Santos, your life is already ridiculous. So you might as well go for a ridiculous <laughs> amount of money. Right. And, and I hate to be the that's wrong with society guy. Um, but the fact that George Santos is on Cameo making a lot of money. makes me feel that way makes me feel like that's what's wrong with society no i meant to look and see what how much a cameo from him is here's the thing after he was expelled from congress like the first weekend he was on cameo there was so much demand that he jacked his price up obviously 350 dollars. let's put our pennies together this could be fun no (laughs) if i'm going to if I'm going to uh, put $350 together for a cameo, I'm definitely not spending it on George Santos. We could get him to say stupid things about our show. This could be yeah. fun, Mike. Yeah, that's what we want. <laughs> Hi, this is George Santos, and you're listening to Mike and Renee on Tampa's Rock Leader, you know, because he lies about everything. Right. I guess it's not funny. Let's shoot for the explain. stars. We're on CNN. <laughs> uh, here's the thing. Uh, if I'm going to spend $350 on Cameo, it's going to be on some washed up actor from a beloved 80s sitcom and not George Santos. Okay. Fair enough. I mean, right. he is uh, washed ten- up, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who's washed up? George Santos. Yeah. We're about to be washed up too. Uh, <laughs> 10 day early voting began for the presidential primary over the weekend and 10,000 people have cast their vote. Um, in those two days, haven't gotten any numbers from yesterday, but it was President's Day. Michigan's primary day is February 27th. Renee? 
I think it's safe to say that we've all noticed that we're spending way more and getting way less bags in the cart at the grocery store. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, 72% of Americans say that groceries are where they feel inflation the most. To give us some smart tips on how to alleviate that pain is personal finance expert Bill Dendy. Bill, I I am the queen of coupons and shopping sales, so I'm so interested in hearing what other smart advice that you have for us. Good morning. Hey, hey, Renee. Well, you're cool again because, you know, for a while, a lot of people didn't want to do coupons. But when you're hit with 25 to 30 percent more costs in groceries and, heck, 25 to 30 percent more costs in everything we're doing, at least with coupons, we've got a fighting chance. So a lot of people are rediscovering this coupon magic, that $300 grocery bill. Click, 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 click. I mean, you hold up the line and everything, but it's worth <laughs> it because you take it down to $67 and you walk out of there happy. Unlike the angry people, they're walking out of there upset because of inflation. Well, it's funny you say Renee's cool again, Bill, because, um, you know, it, people are discovering generic brands. And I guess with this new inf- uh, this new generation of influencers on TikTok and Instagram, they're discovering, but the kids are calling them dupes instead of uh, gen- the generic brands nowadays. Yeah, you have to give it its own cool name. You can't <laughs> say we're doing the same thing our parents did and our grandparents. But yeah, it's the finding out. Does a store brand name taste the same? And for a can of green beans, if it's the same, then, then, then the name brand, if it costs... Uh, half the price or even a little bit less. We'll take it. Uh, but remember, it, you have to try that stuff out because not all of it is the same. I can remember uh, Cheerios. They had something called Happios. I said, hey, they look just like Cheerios. It didn't taste a thing like Cheerios. Uh, I've had that happen with Nilla Wafers. The fake Nilla Wafers didn't oh, yeah. taste the same to me. So uh, there's some things I just can't substitute. But other things, to save a few dollars, it can certainly help out. And on top of that, buying in bulk, going ahead and uh, buying the bigger package and freeze what you don't need now. People want to maintain their lifestyles. They don't want to have to trim down. At groceries, it feels like it's hard to trim down. So what they're doing is rediscovering some of these methods to watch the budget without actually budgeting. You know, one of the methods that I'm not ashamed to say that I do to trim my bill is I will take advantage of the markdown food items, stuff that's close to date. What's your take on that? If you can use it, take it. Uh, The the quality is still there. Take it. Um, I I think that uh, uh, some people uh, know the way they consume that it wouldn't make sense to get the milk that's not going to be good in two days. Mm -hmm. But for others, they're like, hey, you're cooking a bunch of stuff, and if it's a little less expensive, I'll take it. Or, Or the the baked goods, if I was going to serve them up later and I was going to heat them up anyway, it didn't make that much difference. So learning what you can do, I think, is part of it. But, you know, this inflation's caused a lot of people to pick up some good habits that maybe we should have never lost. It's causing people to become more concerned because they may have had wages increase, but it seems like the things we're buying increased even more. Right. And to maintain a lifestyle when everything might have already been spoken for, every dollar was already accounted for, I'm seeing people go back and start doing some of the work of separating the wants from the needs mm-hmm. and making sure that they are able to manage their outflow, that they have debt that's affordable. Interest rates have gone up, and that's great if you're lending money. It's ter- terrible if you're borrowing money, especially if you're doing it on revolving credit. Uh, and so people are starting to do some things 
that are more deliberate. And I think that being more deliberate is going to allow them to maximize and have the comfort that comes with knowing that you do have your finances under control. Well, and are you seeing people cutting back in, in other areas um, that they that they might not have before groceries went up 25 percent? Uh, yes. In fact, groceries for many families, that's a difficult place to cut back. And that's, I think, one of the reasons they feel that anger or frustration is, you know, it's not like a concert ticket. We didn't have to go to the concert. This is, I got to buy the groceries and you're doing this to me. I can't afford it. Um, but I think this is causing people to do uh, a lot more deliberate budgeting and making sure they're getting their maximum benefit for every dollar they spend. For a person who hasn't done that yet, this is a great time of the year to do it because we have those statements from last year where we can go back and look at our credit cards, look at our bank statements, and take a look. Where did every dollar go? Most of us don't really count for it that well. So if we take just a few moments to take a look at where it went, you're going to find with most families leakage. That leakage is where you're spending money, but you're not getting maximum enjoyment. It's things like subscription services that you're no longer using or gym memberships that are across town and you haven't been to in two years. You're not going to go. Come on, just go ahead and give up that membership and spend that money where you enjoy it, like a dinner out or something. That is the magic of deliberately placing those dollars. I like the way you think. One last question. Do you notice inflation also taking a toll on those meal delivery services that people may use, like a a Blue Apron or a HelloFresh? Has that affected things at all? Uh, The cost of goods and the cost of transportation has gone up so much that you're seeing increases in the dining out. You're seeing increases in the delivery services. Um, but I think that uh, uh, people are being more conscious and seeing can they use their coupons, can they get their brand names. They have to get involved first, but then being able to use the delivery services, uh, if they can still use their discounts, uh, I don't see that being a negative for them, but I don't have any research to see if we've had a negative impact in that area. Bill Dendy, personal finance expert, thank you so much for your expertise. Enjoy the conversation. God bless you. Always a pleasure. First thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale on WJR. Well, the UAW got their new contract, but one plan in Kentucky is actually in danger of going on strike. Professor Merrick Masters from the Mike Illich School of Business at Wayne State discusses why with Tom Jordan and Kevin Dietz. Kind of feels like we were just here. The uh, Remember the UAW strike just a few months ago? Well, there might be another strike. UAW might not be done striking. Yeah, they might have the upper hand. Uh, They've learned, it seems, this last go-around. UAW, they've issued a strike warning to Ford for their uh, truck plant down south in Kentucky over these unresolved local contract disputes. And, Kevin, I think we're talking about something here that that might make for a more expensive vehicle. And Ford is uh, getting kind of unhappy about this as it eats into their profits. Why Kentucky, Tom? Because it's the largest and most profitable factory. It's a great place to strike if you're looking to uh, make a point. And uh, disruption uh, to product there uh, would have a big impact uh, on Ford. Uh, the the disputes, uh, they're talking about safety issues, nurse staffing, workforce com- uh, composition, things like that. Um, let's bring in Merrick Masters, a business professor, labor expert at Wayne State University. Good morning. How are you? Very well. Thanks for having me this morning. Yeah, appreciate you uh, being here. Uh, it's like, uh, here we go again. We we did this in Kentucky once. It seemed to work. It had an impact. The the union, the UAW got a pretty good deal. Um, why go? Why go back? Why go back now? 
Well, it's important to keep in mind the structure of bargaining in the auto industry. And the UAW and the companies decouple their local from their national contracts, unlike you have in the Teamsters, for example, in which they have to get agreement on all the local contracts before they can get an agreement on the national. In the case of the auto industry, you you can get your national agreement without having uh, agreements on your local contracts. And local contracts deal with different issues from those that are dealt with at the national level. They're not the staple economic issues that we hear so much about. They are those issues that deal with more localized concerns. And in this case, it has to do with health and safety, scheduling, and also issues associated with uh, the buyouts that may be made for uh, skilled workers, the $50,000 buyouts. Um, Those things are handled at the local level. And it's uh, been a common occurrence in the past, uh, since we don't have many strikes, period, in auto or otherwise. Uh, but in the past, you had many strikes in local um, plants after the national agreements were settled. So this, from a historical standpoint, is is pretty common. We saw how this can impact uh, uh, Ford with the, the with that big profitable uh, plant being shut down, that factory being shut down. How how might it impact the the, the workers? Uh, I imagine there's thousands of workers potentially disrupted. Well, it's just a localized version of the national scene. So if the workers go out on strike, uh, they will lose their pay. Uh, the company may or may not cover them with uh, health benefits, and the union will have to pay strike benefits. And it will be the same cessation of operations uh, that is confined to this particular plant. And it is a very important plant, which connects to about a dozen other Ford operations. Uh, And it is a very profitable plant in and of itself. So the economic consequences could be pretty keen. It's important to remember that in 1998, when you had a major strike in GM that cost it a couple of billion dollars or more, it just involved initially two plants. It was a local strike. And so these things can be very impactful for the company, uh, particularly if they deal with a robust product as they do in the Kentucky plant. Oh, yeah. Very, very profitable product, which is now going to be put on hold if this strike goes through. And, you know, Jim Farty, he came out the other day, the CEO of Ford, indicating that they kind of have a changed relationship now with the UAW um, post-strike. This latest strike, this latest go-around with Sean Fain, and some of the comments that Sean Fain made about Ford and, of course, the other auto uh, makers as well. But what, what do you think uh, the relationship is right now with, with Ford and UAW? And what, what implications does it have for maybe future labor relations? Well, I think clearly at the leadership level, it's strained. And it, this is something that happens in labor management relations. Ford expected to get some social credits from the UAW for its historically sound relationship with the union and it having made commitments to produce in the U.S. But a new era came in with Sean Fain, and it was a much different approach ideologically and tactically to how you deal with companies. And I think Ford got caught in a vortex that it wasn't expecting. And that is something that happens when you have new leadership and unions that adopt a different uh, tone and have a different philosophy. It's no longer business as usual. It's a much different ball game, and it's much more combative. Yeah, and, and it's like Ford has to do something to increase profits. And you know, Ford came out and said, listen, we, you know, I, 
we know that China's a national security threat, but we're all, we, we're kind of embedded with them. We've got to make things work because this is how the auto industry looks right now. Do, do you think this is kind of where the auto industry is? Uh, because you look at labor costs, they've gone up pretty significantly, 27% uh, wage increases and whatnot. Um, how sustainable is this right now with the labor costs? Well, I think it's going to be very, very difficult, particularly if you have China in our market with cheaper products that are of high value. They're piloting things in Europe now. They have plans to develop a plant in Mexico, which would enable them to uh, produce products that could be sold in the United States under the radar tariffs. And so, therefore, I think that um, they face the auto companies, um, the GM and Ford, as well as Stellantis, existential threats, and they're going to have to do things. And it's not surprising, I think, uh, Farley spoke the quiet part out loud, um, and when he said that they're going to take a look at what their footprint is, and also the companies are going to be very carefully looking at how they rationalize their production as they transition to EV and get rid of their internal combustion engine footprint mm-hmm. and reduce their labor costs. Ford uh, CEO Jim Farley, you know, he said last fall strike changed the company's relationship with the union. And he indicated that Ford would think carefully, I think he said, about uh, where it builds future vehicles. Is, is that tough talk or or could Ford move to Mexico? Well, I think that all options are on the table. I think what he's saying is that because of their rising labor costs, they're going to have to give things more careful consideration than they would in the past. And that means that they're going to look for opportunities to reduce their labor costs and to produce profitable electrical vehicles. And that's going to be the business case that has to be made for anything that they do going forward. That seems like the leverage he's trying, because right now Sean Fain has so much leverage, because as we just witnessed, they can drastically eat eat into the profits of these automakers. But Ford, it seems like, has come back saying, hey, listen, we can play that game too. We'll just leave the country. Your your workers won't have any work here if we do that. Is that, is that kind of what what's at play here? Well, I, I think very much so. Uh, and that's what I meant when I said that he said the quiet part out loud. Yeah. That this is something that uh, the companies and the union knows is reality. And I think the union strategy in this particular instance was to get as much as they could while the companies were profitable but still vulnerable in the transition to EV. And that's what they did. And they know going forward that the companies may not be as profitable if this transition is as choppy as it appears it will be. What are the chances that this uh, strike is avoided? I uh, have heard that uh, they made good progress on Friday, that the announcement that the UAW made may have been the nudge to get things done, and that they were close on the issues. So my hope is that for all involved, the workers and the company, that they're able to uh, get this thing done before they have to go out on strike.